Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 335. I'm Jimmy Kempsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. We had Eagles open practice Sunday night. This, we're recording this on Monday morning, bright and early. A uh, lot of things to get to, both in that practice. It was actually kind of a weak practice, but we'll get to all that. And the Eagles made a bunch of roster moves, which I think we should start the episode off with, but not before... I find out where we can find the finest meat snacks in the land. It's the same meat snacks that the Eagles themselves, Jimmy, they eat them. Right to sell in craft jerky, you go to rightsellin.com, use discount code BGN20 for 20% off your order. If you don't know, that's a limited time only discount code. Usually it's BGN15, so you want to take advantage of that literally right now if you want to pause the podcast or do it after the podcast, probably more preferable. RightToSellin.com, discount code BGN20 for 20% off your order. You can check out all the wonderful options on RightToSellin.com. Jimmy, as you mentioned, we have some roster machinations to get to, if you will. Machinations? Machinations? How do you feel about that? Updates. Um, You just bowed out entirely and just used a different (laughs) word. That's right. It's like Foghorn Leghorn when he couldn't pronounce a word. He just said a different word instead. The big news, I would say, I'm not going in chronological order, but I think that the meatiest thing that people want to talk about is the Eagles signing two linebackers. And did you know the Eagles signing Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham is kind of like the Eagles signing Indominus Sue and then Paul Joseph <laughs> at the same time? I bring that up because I think it's very funny that clearly someone from the Eagles put that out to Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter because they both tweeted the same sentiment and there's zero chance they're doing that on their own volition. It was probably being... a uh, Howie R, we'll call him. Howie, no, no, that's too obvious. We'll say H. Roseman. H. Roseman. Um, each player signed a one-year contract worth up to up to two point five million. Uh, there was no details that I saw on how much of that money is guaranteed. I think you, especially, have been saying these are. We're going to make some kind of move at linebacker. I think you've been anticipating more of a trade, but clearly here the Eagles signed two of the top kind of options available on the market. And there's a lot of name recognition with these guys. Certainly Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham are names that Eagles fans have heard of before. And I want to, you know, go back to the pedigree of those guys. I mean, Miles Jack, you look at him, he was the third 36 overall pick in the 2016 NFL draft. Zach Cunningham was the 57th pick in the 2017 NFL draft. Both of these guys have played extensively 
Uh, for Cunningham, he's had 76 starts and 82 games played. Miles Jack is up to 95 starts and 103 regular season games played, plus he played three playoff games. Um, that was leading up to the 2018 NFC champion or AFC championship game for the Jags. Uh, I believe I was talking to you a big pick in that game against the Patriots when they ultimately lost. But, you know, I think we're up at one point. Uh, Miles Jack played for the Steelers last year. And this is kind of a funny trend with both of these guys. Um, both Jack and Cunningham were cap casualties by the um, Steelers and Titans, respectively. So it's not like they got cut and have been on the market just because they stink. There was some factor of being overpaid in there. <laughs> but that being said, you know, I was looking at like the career passer rating when targeted numbers for these guys. Not good. I was looking at the playmaking numbers for these guys. You know, you can look at tackles. People like like tackles for linebackers, but that's such a tough number to parse because how many of those tackles are like impact plays versus a, a running back or receiver? You tag on six, seven yards down the field. Yeah, like what what is the value of a tackle? It's kind of hard to contextualize. But to me, and I think I think probably I do this because you do. Um, you, you know, you look at like big plays. Are they, do these linebackers make plays? And I think interceptions and forced fumbles are kind of a good barometer of can this guy make splashy plays? And neither of these guys have been good in that regard. Miles um, Jack has not recorded a interception or a forced fumble in each of his last two seasons. And then you look at um, Cunningham, and he has two forced fumbles and zero interceptions since the start of 2019. So not exactly playmakers here. There's a reason why these guys were still on the market at this time of year. It's not because they're great. But to me, it's Howie Roseman throwing more options at the wall to see if something sticks. Yeah, I mean, it was clear they were going to add a, not, a linebacker at some point, whether it was via trade or just signing a guy or two. I mean, throughout camp, the linebackers simply haven't made plays. Nicobe Dean's hurt. He's missed the last two practices before he got last hurt. Three. I, I don't want to say he's he's played poorly because I don't think that's the case, but we haven't seen plays being, we haven't seen like really obvious plays from the linebackers being made when we saw a lot of them last year in training camp from TJ Edwards and Kaiser White and even some of the, like the, the depth guys uh, at linebacker last year. And Christian Ellis, um, Nicholas Morrow haven't stood out in in really the the majority of these practices so far. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious that they were going to sign a guy or two, and here they do. At the linebacker position, the Eagles just need competency. They just need a couple guys that can be okay enough because they are loaded at pass rusher. They have really good cornerbacks, and everything else you can kind of piecemeal together. So um, they'll get a good look at these guys. The, the, you know, the, the contract numbers aren't out yet, as far as I know. Um, so we'll get a better idea of what they paid soon enough. Um, but yeah, it, I think these, these two additions make sense. Certainly if they added them, you know, earlier in the off season, then it would make sense then too. So like, uh, they, they get them now as opposed to a little earlier, but I think the point that you make is right. That if you're signing a guy into August expectations shouldn't, should probably shouldn't be super high. I think this is following the script of what we thought going into camp, too. We said that we think the Eagles are going to stick with what they have early in camp, give those guys reps, see how that goes, and then mm -hmm. decide if they need to do something. And that's clearly what they're doing here. They gave, my, um, you know, Christian Ellis and, and Nicholas Morrow and Nicobe these reps. And by the way, it should be noted that um, Nicobe is expected back soon, according to Ian Rapport and Nick Sirianni as well. 
So these signings reportedly don't reflect on his injury being super serious or anything, although he has missed three straight practices in terms of team drill, team reps, you know, 11 on 11. So that's not really good for him. But um, yeah, so they're evaluating this. I think if it continues to go poorly, maybe that's when you see a trade. If they need to, you know, go outside of the building at that point, you know, obviously you can do this right now and sign guys and don't have to give up assets at all other than money. So that's kind of preferable. I will say this seems to bode not well for Nicholas Morrow, who should be noted is uh, not guaranteed any money in his contract. It's a a deal that the Eagles can, um, if they cut him before week one, they can clear about just over a million in cap space. So certainly, you know, if things continue to trend this way and one of those guys stands out, I feel like one of those, maybe one of those guys makes the team. Maybe, maybe both of them make the team in terms of, uh, I feel like out of Jack Cunningham and Morrow, how many of those, they're not all going to make it. They can't, all three of those guys can't make it. So Morrow, interestingly, even after Dean's been out, hasn't, you'd think that that guy would get, the first team reps and he's gotten a few, but not all of them. They've had guys like Nolan Smith and Terrell Edmonds getting first team reps at linebacker. Mm-hmm. So I'd be, I'd be pretty nervous if I were Nicholas Morrow. And I've, I've said it like earlier in camp, but the only time I noticed him when he was getting beat again, it was against Goddard. So that's tough, but still it's just like, I haven't noticed anything good. So Ellis Ellis is going to be fine because he, he's a special teamer and he was good on special team. El- so he's going to be fine team. in terms of making the team. But in terms of him being a starting linebacker, I'm not so sure about that. Also had a nice tackle for loss, or it was in position for one, obviously. They're not tackling live to the ground on uh, Sunday night against Boston Scott. So I thought that was nice. Um, yeah, that's that's the deal at linebacker. They're kind of working through things. I just It's a little funny to me when people, I, I think I saw one tweet that was like, Howie Roseman does it again. I'm like, this, these aren't like... <laughs> amazing <laughs> it's guys who are just on the open market <laughs> these are like unemployed yeah. guys in august come on i don't i don't think these are incredible signings i think it's a worthwhile <laughs> approach i think it's worthwhile yeah, yeah. signing it's them fine. seeing what they have but there's a chance neither guy makes the team honestly there's a chance they stink <laughs> and it's like oh you see why these guys were out there on the market um but again to me it's about throwing enough at the wall to see if something sticks and like you said you're not looking for a superstar here you're just looking for competency and you try more options at it and maybe they find a, a configuration that works out. Eagles also added two offensive linemen to the back, to both back to the roster in both cases here. Mm. The first being Josh Sills, who technically, I guess, wasn't added back to the roster. I mean, I guess he was, but he was never off the roster technically, just on the commissioner's exempt list after he was indicted for on, on rape and kidnapping charges, which he was acquitted of. I think it was uh Friday. Yeah. It was like um, right kind of before we were podcasting on Friday. The allegations aren't pretty. Uh, if you want to research those, I'm like, we're not going to get into those on the podcast, but um, he's the, the, the league made the decision to take him off the commissioner's exempt list. The Eagles kind of hid behind that a little bit. And they, they, they said that their the league's decision to take him off that list mm-hmm. guided their decision to keep him on their 90 man roster. So um, they said, uh, what was the actual phrase that Nick Sirianni used for? I can pull up Twitter real quick. Jimmy, Jimmy it's fine. You guys, this. You guys I just want to note as like a general, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's important to note as a general thing, not, I'm not commenting on Josh Sill specifically here to be clear as a general thing. When there are sensitive cases like this, what is always found in court isn't necessarily always like, 
The reality of a situation yeah. is that fair to say? Like, there's always not there's more layers. Does to not things. necessarily mean innocent, right? So there's I'm again I'm not commenting specifically on anyone here. I'm just saying as a general thing. I think yeah. it's best. It's good for people to maybe proceed with caution and consider all factors and don't rush to judgment in any kind of direction, I think, is something to consider. So um, they said, you know, that the league's decision to take him off that list guided their decision to bring him back to the team. Said they didn't. The Eagles, you know, he was clear to say the Eagles did not take his charges lightly. And he said, quote unquote, happy to have him back. So. He's a guy they liked, obviously, last year when they kept him on a very good roster as an undrafted rookie free agent. Had some guard tackle versatility, played really well in the preseason games last year. So he's going to be joining the team and practicing soon enough. I'd imagine he's probably got to ramp up in some way. He was he can't in, be in, he he can't be in football shape. He was in gear he, last night. He didn't do team drills, but he was like geared up. Uh-huh. He was, it's going to wearing... take a little time for him to get, get back into quote-unquote football shape. And then the other guy they signed uh, from way back in the day, Josh Andrews, who wow. was with the team during the Chip Kelly era, guard center versatility. I don't think he's much of a threat to make the roster, but mm-hmm. you think so? You think there's he's actually a threat? I mean, if Brett Toth continues to struggle at center, they need a backup center. And if they want to keep Jurgens at guard, if he's like, you know, solidifying himself there, I'm not saying it's like, so likely, I think but he's just the backup chance. guard. I mean, you, you, we've you seen don't think kind of during snap at all. Who? Josh Andrews. Josh Andrews. Well, I think he's because... just. I think he's there just to not ruin reps in practice. I agree. That's uh, definitely a factor. <laughs> yes, as Brett Toth has done for the last you know week or whatever. And, and Julian Good Jones, the guy we were saying deserves some more. <laughs> we'll get to that later, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Funny note on him later. Um. Anyway, Josh Andrews is back. He'll probably be. I would imagine it's, they'll make him the second team center. They'll try to do something else with Brett Toth, put him at guard or something like that. Because Brett Toth just can't continue to get center reps in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I so I think Cam Jurgens is the backup center. I think it's he's even the backup center in game. So if Kelsey mm-hmm. goes down in a game, they don't like doing this normally. Yeah. But I think they would, I think to get your best five on the field, he moves over to center. And then take your pick between Steen, uh, Tyler Steen, Dennis Kelly, Sua Opeta, Dennis Kelly, Jack Driscoll. I personally think it would be Steen would be the first guy off the bench in at right guard. Um, and that's what they would roll with. So, uh, yeah, I think their offensive line um, had better depth last year, but they have, you know, some some added depth now, I guess, with the additions of Sills and maybe to a lesser degree, Andrews. Um, you know, even if a little icky, <laughs> but, but, uh, obviously their offensive line is the best in the NFL. And, you know, there are most of the teams out there are looking at their offensive line in terms of, oh crap, our starting fill in the blank sucks. What are we going to do there? Whereas the Eagles are like, oh crap, our eighth guy might not be that good. Right. <laughs> so like they're in a much better position than the rest of the league on, along their own line. Yeah, I think you can probably keep Andrews on the practice squad and then you have him around as, you know, more depth and a guy who has experience in the league. There are worse depth options to have, especially for a team that's contending. You can kind of afford to do that on the practice squad a little bit more as opposed to having just, you know, raw talents who have high upside on the practice squad, kind of a mix of that. So, um, yeah, we'll see how Sills fits in too. I remember like liking 
some of the reps he had in practice last year. I was like, I, we were all surprised when he made the roster. I don't think anyone had him making the roster. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But I do remember like watching him go, especially at left tackle, second team left tackle. I was like, wow, this guy is like playing surprisingly well there. So um, we'll see how they value him. I want to mention on the Jersey number front, Sills is now in 73. He was previously 61. Josh Andrews is going to be wearing 61. Miles Jack and Zach Cunningham got uh, stuck with unfortunate numbers, but that's just kind of the reality at this time of year. Miles Jack's going to be wearing what did 47, they get? 47 uh-huh. for Miles Jack. And then Zach Cunningham was in 46. So not, yeah. not pretty, but again, they didn't have like great options to work with joining the I roster. Dan Arnold is also 46. He He's 40. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So not great. So he's got a share number. Is anyone yeah, 47 for, already? I don't think so. I don't think so. So, but that's Nate Gary's old number. So yikes. Ew, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's all the roster stuff. Should well, we two actually... more real quick. Davion oh. Taylor, RIP, yes. former third-round pick. He'll always have the game in Denver where he made a couple big plays in that game. That has been basically that was basically the extent of his uh, value to the Eagles over the last uh, three years. Um, just never – I mean, he had all the physical talent mm-hmm. in terms of speed, quickness, uh, just didn't have, you know um, – Instincts, instincts which and is important at linebacker. Super polite guy, liked Davion a lot, but you know, it was probably time. And Charleston Rambo was waived slash injured. I don't know what his injury was. He got lit up by Makai Gardner. I don't know if it was related to that. I don't like think a practice so. or two ago. I don't think it was, but uh he's gone. Davion, how old is Davion? He is oh uh, he's twenty five. I thought he was younger than that. Yeah, he turns twenty five. He just turned twenty five. Maybe he catches on with some other team and gets some preseason. Who knows? But um, we have a unique background in that in high school, his religion didn't allow him to play on certain days. I think it was on like Fridays to right. And he was, he was super late to football. Like he only started playing like late in high school. I think, and again, he couldn't even really play in games. I think until his senior year, and then he only played two years at Colorado. You know, this is a, he was a fifth round pick that that he was he was a guy that should have been a fifth round pick that the Eagles took in the third guy. round. Yeah, yeah, at the very yeah. Anyway, um, let's get on to the actual Eagles practice notes from Sunday night at the link, where there was a crowd of quote unquote fifty thousand plus. Which, I can by buy the way, it. Yeah, I would buy that. Last year, the Eagles said almost 30,000. I have a running tracker of all the Eagles attendance numbers over the years because <laughs> okay. they announce it each year. I think it's kind of just yeah. fun, fun to look back at. But that was also... There was, there was a lot of people there. That was one of the heftier crowds that I've seen at an open practice. I agree. I think the almost 3,000 la- or 30,000 last year was inflated a little bit, but this looked like pretty legit. Uh, a lot of juice from that crowd. They were energized, as you would expect, I think, coming yep. off of a Super Bowl appearance and a great regular season and, uh, well, great home season, if you just talk about all the home games at the link. And also kind of like the Kelly Green release, too. I think that kind of has people energized as well. I saw a lot of Kelly Green, not surprisingly, in the stands. I think people are are excited for that as well. So uh, good crowd, I would say, from the link. I would say Mm -hmm. less than good practice by the team. It wasn't really... Yeah. Sloppy. A sharp practice by the team, which is always kind of a weird thing to parse in the sense of like, well, maybe just the defense was good and therefore the offense. I don't think the offense was a disaster either. Like they had some drives, some scoring drives. They weren't totally ineffective, but from like a, a zoomed out picture, they just, it wasn't sharp from a hole and there weren't a whole lot of highlight standout plays that were like, oh my gosh, that was incredible. 
there was a couple moments, but nothing, anything that was particularly revelatory. Where do you want to start with your notes? So, I mean, they had long 11 on 11 sessions and there were periods of time that would go by like 20 minutes at a time where the crowd just didn't cheer at all because like nothing, <laughs> nothing exciting happened. So I'm with you on the non highlights part, but then there were also like a lot of um, unforced errors, like pre-snap penalties, drops, missed throws, bad snaps, etc. cetera. Um, I thought the player that was most noteworthy and there was, uh, there was good and bad. I thought probably a little more bad than good, but the most noteworthy player is Marcus Mariota last night. Had a lot of scrambles, had a lot of runs, and he looks good running. Yes. Like he could that guy can run. He got some of the and biggest cheers. His runs got some of the biggest <laughs> cheers of the night. He had, he got the biggest cheers of the night. I think the only cheer that maybe outdid some of his runs was the you know, catch by AJ Brown in the end zone. You but, you weren't um, around for this because you were at the press conference. I had to stay up in the press box to finish an article I was doing. But like okay. while they were doing the introductions for various players, Spadero was introducing players as they would walk out into the field. And Mariota got like a good pop. I mean, I think, you know, people like, you know, are still like, remember, yeah, this is like the quarterback of the future. They they gave him like a a warmer welcome than I expected. So he got out of the pocket on one play and he had, he had, he could have just flipped it to Boston Scott, but instead he kept it and ran with it. And then Boston Scott ran down the field with him Yes, and they had one defender that was sort of in front of him. And then behind that defender, open spaces. And Mariota made a nice little heady play, kind of fake flipped it to Boston Scott and kept it and they easily got by that defender and then just had a long run thereafter. So I like that. Uh, good awareness in that situation. Um, again, a lot of the runs that he had were, were really nice. He had a really nice play in the red zone where he was able to move around in the pocket, looted a couple pass rushers, still kept his eyes uh, into the end zone for his receivers and eventually found uh, Alameda Zacchaeus for a touchdown. That bad, mm. the accuracy is just not good. Anything in the intermediate to deeper areas of the field, forget it. I mean, even a lot of the shorter passes aren't good. So there's there's three consecutive plays yeah. where misfired high sideline throw to Zacchaeus. Yep. Another one by the by the sideline again to Jack Stoll again high wide out open. of bounds. Stoll was wide and, open. There's no one near him. <laughs> and then a third one. Uh, to Joseph Ngata in the middle of the field. There's a safety trail in that play. It's an easy pick, but he threw that over his head too. So mm-hmm. three consecutive overthrows by Mario by Mariota. I thought two of which you know were pretty easy throws. Just missed all three. Like not even close on all three of them. It's yeah. concerning, but at the same time, if he were hitting these throws and he has the the other abilities that he has. We're talking about like a top half of the league quarterback. Yeah, so of course, exactly. you know, of course, like there's gonna be some kind of defect in his game, and that's what it is. It's, it's his accuracy in the intermediate, particularly in the intermediate areas of the field. I would agree with that. Um, however, I think it's reasonable to say, relative to expectation, he's still been worse than what you would have reasonably expected. Yeah. Uh, it's not like I needed him to be Steve Young, but I needed him to be like, you know, a little bit more competent than he's been. And I, yeah, especially when he's just missing, like, it's not like, Hey, I need you to make the special plays. I don't need you to do that. I need you to make the layups, the routine plays that are there. And he's struggling to do that. I just had a Carson Wentz flashback when you said layups. Speaking of Carson (laughs) Wentz working out in the Eagles helmet, the commander's jersey. I I don't, I don't even know what to make of that. Um, it's very bizarre. We but we have that bet, by the way, that uh, it actually didn't get put out to the public because that our our audio from that podcast got ruined. Um, but 
I don't know if you remember, but I don't even a, remember. I remember pizza. making some sort of bet, but I don't remember the details of it. We had bet a pizza that I think Wentz would not be on a roster week one, starting week one. My my the whole spirit of my I argument, have him on a roster, right? And you have not on a roster. Yeah, my my whole argument, but I also had a, the void is it's a no action if he's on a team because someone's starter goes down and then they assign him to be like their starter. Like in an emergency situation. Because the spirit of my premise was like, no one's going to sign him, or, or he's not going to be willing to sign as a backup. He'd be willing to sign as a starter if like the spot opened up and he like they had to throw him in. Yeah, I don't doubt that. But I'm doubting any team, or he would go to any team with the notion that he is backing them up. So we'll see if I'm proven wrong. I think wrong. he's second in line, by the way, behind Teddy. I think I'd rather have signed Teddy if I'm some team in oh, need of a sucks. starter. I mean, Wentz is bad, yeah. too. But Teddy sucks. <laughs> right. He really is. Like, he's bad. I would he's, still he take him over love. Carson Wentz. He gets more love than he should. He's dude, That guy, <laughs> he stinks. He's bad. But yes, agree. From a, at, least, at least seems to be a guy that maybe people like. Anyway, we're off topic. Um, uh, yeah, so I think Mariota's been I'm not looking good on that bet, by the way. It looks like I'm going to owe you a pizza pretty soon. Hey, we'll see. There's still time. Um, but, uh, Marriott hasn't been great uh, as a passer clearly, but he can run. He certainly can run. And if he has to play for some reason, the Eagles need to take full advantage of that. Don't even mess around trying to pass the ball too much. Just freaking have him run, find creative ways to utilize him. And I think that's your best bet. Um, my note, I guess will be that I thought Jalen Hurts, Somewhat. Oh, by the way, last thing on Mariota. I did want to mention this. I mentioned this to you in the press box. There were times, too, where I think he just holds on to the ball too long. That's obviously somewhat anecdotal. But the evidence to back that up, he had the sixth slowest time to release last year. Obviously, quarterbacks who run a bit more are going to rank towards the bottom of the league because you know they can hold on to the ball and use their legs to extend plays. Still, uh, sixth slowest, not great for context here. Jalen Hurts was the 14th slowest. He's been improving his time each year. Um, That's so. pretty remarkable that he was only 14th lowest. It, it is because not only was he dead last like the year before or so, but he was like last by far. It wasn't like just dead last. He was like by a significant yeah. margin. He was dead last in time to throw. So, yes, that is. That is a huge. The RPOs shave off a lot of that, I guess. Yes, but, I, you know, also his but decision making. But the RPOs also like, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're counting some of those RPO runs as not passes and they don't count toward his tally. True. But yeah, I do think I'd be curious you know, how they arrived at that. Uh, that uh, I'm curious. How, I would be curious how they arrived at his you know average time to throw. But whatever, 14th is still a lot better than I, thought I would expect. Hurts like I'm not gonna say he looked amazing, but I thought he looked better from what his, I thought he had a bad practice on day six. He looked better mm-hmm. in day seven. He made two throws that really stood out to me. I think probably at least one of these might be, or one of these will be my play of the day, depending on what you pick as well. Uh, the first one might might have been my favorite because. He threw a ball over the outstretched arm of Reed Blankenship, who was playing underneath. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just loved how the pass, like, perfectly arced over him and to A.J. Brown along the left sideline. Brown was being tightly covered there by, I guess, Josh Job. Uh, I thought that was really impressive to get the ball. Because, like, that's tough. I think some players struggle to get that ball over the underneath defender there, but still in bounds. Like, because that's... You're, you're, it's like a, it's a, you're threading the needle there in terms of you're trying to get it high enough so it gets over the defender, but low enough that, you know, Brown can still make a play on it and it doesn't go out of bounds. That was really impressive to me. And then probably more of AJ Brown on this play, but still, I give credit to quarterbacks who have the courage and the ability to actually, 
give their receiver a chance to make a play on a 50-50 ball. And that's what Jalen Hurts did when he threw it up to A.J. Brown, who was being covered. And A.J. Brown just was not actually covered because he mossed uh, Josh Job in the end zone for a touchdown. So those were the two plays that stood out to me from Hurts. And outside of those, he like generally the offense went on some scoring drives. There was some efficiency there. He didn't really put the ball in harm's way other than when uh, Terrell Edmonds had a diving uh, pass breakup on a throw to Devontae Smith. I think that was during a two-minute drill. He did take off again on seven on sevens, which I'll mention every time, and I hate because it's just pointless. But uh, <laughs> overall, I think this was – this is a – it's one of those signature, I like to say, like perform practices to build on, you know? Like if Hertz has a good day – on uh tuesday here when he goes returning to practice i think that's that'll be nice to see i think it was a step in the right direction after a bad practice okay i think uh we got to start considering the possibility of Kayvon wallace starting at safety this season yeah i have uh, Kayvon gotten, in my notes here he's got he's got more in my I, I don't have any numbers on this or anything so i'm this is nothing official here but i'm pretty sure he's gotten more first team reps than any other safety aside from Reed Blankenship. So it's mostly been Reed and Kayvon back there. Terrell well, Edmonds has gotten his share of first team reps too at safety, but he's also gotten some at linebacker too. Right. So, you know, not um, quite apples to apples comparison, I guess, but I think they're going to use, you know, some three safety sets. And I think they're going to use four different safeties because you're going to use Sidney Brown at some point too. Uh, but they're all going to get playing time uh, in my opinion. But Kayvon Wallace has really been out there a lot, and I actually saw him quite a bit during the – he just kept popping into my field of vision throughout the practice, you know, just around the ball a ton uh, on running plays. Had a nice little pop without going too far, you know, on mm-hmm. Grand Calcaterra after a short completion. Um, Edmonds had a nice pass breakup while covering Devontae. Um, Reed co- close coverage a couple times on AJ Brown. I thought he was in good position on that pass that you mentioned that got floated over his head. Just Hurts made a great throw. Agreed. Um, and then Sidney Brown, I kind of noticed him quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. Not because he's made a lot of plays, but that dude can fly. <laughs> so like when he triggers toward a, a, a guy that is a, a, like a ball carrier, mm-hmm. he gets there very quickly. And I think is very clearly the most gifted uh, of the Eagles safeties on the roster right now. It's only a matter of time before he's in the starting lineup. I just don't know when that'll be. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've been less impressed with him than others. I guess he hasn't flashed to me the same way. I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's bad. I, just, I haven't really noticed him flash a ton. I think, I, guess... he's, to, to, I think he kind of has, and it's hard to do because there's so many things to watch during practice. Him. Watch him specifically and you go, okay, I, yeah, there it is. I agree. But but that also speaks to the fact he hasn't just like been undeniable. Um, but that's fine. He's right. lucky. It'll take time. I do agree. Kayvon has definitely outperformed very low expectations coming into camp. So that's good for him. I'm pretty, he's on the team. Kayvon's on, he's making the roster, right? Safe to say. I mean, yeah, no, no question. Yeah. Unless they like, you know, made trade for some star safety maybe, but then. Even then, I think he's on. Yeah. So Kayvon's making the team. I agree. He's been better than expected. We've talked a lot about going into camp. We were saying we expected three safeties to play. As you mentioned, like maybe it could be four. We were saying it's going to like, don't get so caught up in who's starting necessarily between Terrell Edmonds, Reed Blankenship, and Sidney Brown because they're all going to play to some extent. I mean, it's very clear now that Reed is starting for sure, and then how everyone else fits in remains to be seen a little bit, especially with Edmonds taking snaps at linebacker. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. But I agree with you. I think Kevon, again, has exceeded expectations. So good for him. Um, my next note here, I guess I'll just get into the punting 
<laughs> which we've already talked about, I believe. But I mean, the thing I, I tweeted out, neither Aaron Sipos nor Ty Zetner have looked good in camp, but the former has been less worse than the latter. And we were tag teaming the punts last night in terms of you were getting the hang time. I was doing the yardage and like no one had any good punts, basically. Um, Zetner had longer distances, but his hang time was awful. Terrible. Terrible hang time. Four seconds on two of his punts. And for context, the NFL's two worst punters in average hang time last year came in at 3.85 and 4.1. So that's really bad. It's really bad hang time. Where do you and get then, that? I, I haven't seen that stat. On Pro Football Focus has that. Oh, okay. They have some good punting I like details. That. I got I, yeah, I to I get in there. Uh, Eagles had... They also did a directional punting with Sebas and Zentner, and... Sipas was better, but neither of them were good. Like they, they were not able to pit it deep inside the five or anything. They were like around the fifteen and twenty. Like they just, they just don't look good. They need a punter, and it's pretty obvious. Yeah, that the directional part. Zentner's they only, they only have one rep each. Zentner's punt was horrendous. So just to <laughs> just to explain it, they're at the they're at the they're at the Eagles forty yard line. They're on forty yard line, and they're trying to hit sort of a low line drive. To get it to hit the, don't let the, the the returner field it. Get it to hit the ground and you know maybe roll out of bounds or whatever. But pin them sort of toward the sideline if they do field it. Sipos's punt at least did achieve the hitting the ground part. Rolled out of bounds around the sixteen. Meh, fine, whatever. Uh, Sipos's or excuse me, Zentner's was <laughs> a low liner, and the returner fielded it like no problem at all. At his at the twenty five, so yeah. like had no distance on it, had no hang time, and got a little bit of a return on it too. Just ugly, very ugly punt, and his his like blast deep sort of open field punting. Both of them have been bad. They both actually kind of been good in the pin deep punting. We we won't get into Not all to, that again. We've gotten yeah. into that plenty in previous podcasts, but uh, they just they just really don't have. Neither of them have strong legs, or at least. They haven't shown so far in these practices that they have strong. Well, I mean, Sipos, we already know he doesn't have a strong leg, but Zentner hasn't shown it in any of these practices. They have to continue to look to. for another punter, whether that's, I guess there's only one way. <laughs> like you're going to bring in a guy that maybe gets cut from another team. It might be worthwhile to kind of, maybe, maybe I'll take a look at like all the teams that are carrying two punters in training camp right now. Cause they, they still need to bring somebody else in for legit competition, because I don't think either of those guys are it. They won't do this, but I would say you should cycle them in on the practice squad too throughout the season. Like if you're if you're continuing to not have a good one, just sign a new one, have him for the practice squad, have him do some punts and practice. Like continue just to evaluate it until make it an ongoing competition until you finally find an acceptable option. Because none of these options, I feel like, are even. These are this is not competency. It's not even like, oh, these punters aren't one of the best punters in the league. No, they stink. They're bad. Yeah, they're both like, bad. Yeah. They're bad. Like you're you're looking for some kind of competency or at least like replacement level. And I don't think they have that. I really don't think they have that. I think they're be- operating below that right now. I had a question for you for my next thing, and then we should get to a break soon here because we're going okay. long. Did anything stand out to you from offensive line versus defensive line one on ones? Yeah. So I thought the uh, the rep of the night went to Tui. Who yeah. put Julian Good Jones on his on his ass? Um, yeah. I actually thought Julian Good Jones was having a decent camp. Um, I thought he was still kind of a long shot to make the roster, but I think 
Sunday night probably ended any realistic hope of him making the initial 53. He had a bad night uh, just overall in one-on-ones, 11-on-11s, and couldn't snap. So mm-hmm. bad bad trio there. Well, Jordan can Davis. I stop down on the didn't Yeah, go Because this sna- couldn't snap, snap is thing. awesome. <laughs> uh, this is I, this might, I almost wanted to make this play of the day. Cause not, cause, cause play of the day doesn't say good play of the day. It just says play of the day. And this was just a play of camp to me where Julian Goodjones snapped the ball so low that somehow and into Ian Book that it caused him to fall over on his butt. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks so funny. And he even remarked, like, oh, that snap caused Ian Book to fall it over. knocked him over. Yeah. <laughs> so funny to me. Oh, my gosh. It did look oh. like the snap knocked him over. Like, it hit his – it hit, like, his ankle area. And I guess he kind of lost his balance and he kind of just kind of fell. Yeah, he was, like, going for it, but he's also dropping back. So he's like, yeah. oh, and he just fell. So he was dropping back and then he tried to stop from dropping back to grab the ball and it made him <laughs> fall. And so it's not like the ball, you know, hit him and it made right, him fall. But but, the, but just to brutal. watch it, it, the ball hit him and he fell. And it looked very funny. It looked like the ball hit him and it knocked him down. I love that so much. I kept, I couldn't not. I like kept laughing about it. I just kept thinking about it over and over. Oh, man. And it was like, uh, and we were like, they're not going to show that on the because they a lot of, um, during yeah. these during the open practice they show replays mm-hmm. on the on the jumbotron, and we were hoping they were going to show that, but of course they didn't. They didn't show that. You know, that was great. But uh, you were going on about Jordan Davis in the one on ones. Totally overpowered Toth on his one on one. We've seen less of that for of him. Like I think I think he was probably more impressive in training camp last year. Like he like he showed okay, this guy's a behemoth and he can just steamroll guys when he wants to. And he's done that you know here and there, but I haven't seen a ton of that, but he did overpower Toth last night. Jurgens really continues to do a good job on Fletcher Cox in one on ones. Won his rep against him. I don't know if Fletcher Cox is going like a hundred percent on these. A lot of these Older vets no. don't care that much about one on ones. Like they know what their role is. They know they're gonna whatever. Like they don't need it, so they kind of maybe don't go. And I guess they'll they'll do it when the rep really mat. Like if they're going up against, they don't want to lose to a rookie, like an undrafted yeah. rookie or something like that. So well, they'll smoke those guys. Right, but, but for when, like when if it's Hassan a Reddick starter you're going Johnson against, going at it, yeah, yeah, like they don't care. So I don't know how much of that is Fletcher Cox not caring, or but I will say Cam Jurgens I think has looked really good. Like has earned. I agree. We I think we both agree he's the starting right guard, and I yeah. think he's earned it as opposed to like Tyler Steen playing. But I, actually, I think Tyler Steen has shown something uh, so far in camp. I think he's going to be a good player. But so I credit him winning that right guard job more to him playing well than any you know his competition faltering. And then Jalen Carter. Mm. He had a really standout rep, I think, during the last practice on Friday. But other than that, I really just haven't – kind of underwhelmed in, in his one-on-ones. He got beat by Suo Opeta. Uh, just stood him up. Yeah. Just, like, totally just shut him down. So, I don't Do you have anything to add to, to that, to that no, group? No, I think that's all fair. I think that's the, the Carter note especially. I think that's uh, fair. But – um. Yeah, that's all I have. Oh, Rashad Penny had another good run. Real quickly, I'll mention that. I think he's been okay. looking good, but you know, limited touches. So, is that? Uh, why don't we take a break here? But not before we hear about Wrong Crowd Beer Company, which you can check out by going to wrongcrowdbeer.com. If you're 21 plus, you can drink the beer. Jimmy, why don't you tell me a little bit more about Wrong Crowd Beer? This is normally where I crack a beer, so I'll just do a sound effect and said. <laughs> We're recording the, right now. It's nine fourteen, and my daughter and I are heading to uh, LBI after this podcast is over. So I'm not drinking a beer before I drive my daughter to LBI. So uh, not going to happen. 
But I can't wait to get down there because I, I am going to enjoy yes. some Wrong Crowd beer from Wrong Crowd Beer Company based in Westchester, PA. Stop in, see them, get some food, get some beers. You can order online from them at wrongcrowdbeer.com. Uh, I picked up some in a, you can get them in, in, you know, wherever you buy beer, decent chance if you're in PA, you can find it there. If they don't have it, ask for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I mentioned during the last podcast, I went to Peddler's Beer, Peddler's, Peddler's something or other. Uh, <laughs> That's helpful. Peddler, whatever. It was like eight minutes from the Eagles, from the sports complex. Uh, very easy the to get beer to. Peddlers? Beer Peddlers. That's it. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, if, if wherever you get your beer, if they don't have it, ask for it. Uh, and if they do have it, buy some up, drink it, order it online. Delicious beer. Great people visited their brewery. Um, yeah. Very happy with, uh, the beer that I've had from them so far. It's a great time to have a beer. Summer's winded down. You want to relax, enjoy one while the weather's still nice, but also the fall's a great time to have a beer as well. It's a whole different thing. You get your fall beers. Yeah. Never not a good time to never not a good time. I can, for I can make it. I can make an argument for winter and spring exactly. too. Exactly, that's the that's the <laughs> trick. All right, we will be back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Smart Water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani, on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process. Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio, where it's once again time to present our Christian Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com Daily Training Camp Awards. Jimmy, who is your MVP for the Eagles training camp practice day seven? Dallas Goddard. Uh, just makes okay. a ton of catches every practice was I mean nothing splashy last night but just gets open all the time nobody can cover him made a ton of catches last night like one of the few guys that didn't have like any kind of errors either everything that came his way he caught just an awesome player and I think 
underrated nationally. There's, yeah, I see all this like Darren Waller hype. <laughs> People come out with these tight end rating lists. Get the, he's a receiver. Darren Waller's a receiver. That guy's not a tight end. Get the hell out of here. Also, he's he not blocking anyone. Anyway. Had a good year in the past, like two seasons. He hasn't like three. He had to go three seasons <laughs> right. back to when he was actually like really good. And then like a guy like Mark Andrews makes the top 100 list. And Mark Andrews' production it's is pretty good. Like it's great. He is a very very good receiver. But that's that's what he is. He's basically just a, a big wide receiver. Dallas Goddard is a very complete tight end. There are no holes in his game. Um, you know, I guess he will have an occasional drop. He's got to probably prove to uh, that he can stay healthy for a full season. But if that guy stays healthy for a full season, and I said this all year last year, like he's going to be a thousand yard receiver, and he would have been if he hadn't got hurt, gotten hurt last year. But uh, I certainly think this year he's going to do, even with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith on the, like if those guys stay healthy, he's still going to get there anyway because he's that good. And the injury wasn't even his fault. Like that's like yeah. it's yeah, not like he, you know by his soft neck. tissue. Yeah, like he, there's a legal penalty. <laughs> show it should have been a penalty, like getting his yeah. head ripped off. I mean, I can't fault him for getting hurt there. Ridiculous, they didn't call a penalty. Anyway, no one looks so great. I feel like that I can give a single player. I'm actually going to split mine. Okay. I thought about AJ Brown. AJ also did have a couple drops last night, which is not typically characteristic mm-hmm. of him. He's actually had a couple in camp, though. He had another one or two on Friday. Not really worried about that with him, but, you know, because he, he's pretty flawless. He, he in does most it in ways. games every now and again, too, but just he's, but, he's, he doesn't do them on the high leverage plays. Exactly. And also, like, the good so outweighs the bad. It's not even, it's barely worth exactly. bringing up because it's just yeah. like, okay, if you're, you can live with that. I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give a half of a point each to one to Kayvon Wallace, one to Marlon, two below two, you know, these kind of roster bubble guys who actually didn't have either of them, I believe on my 53 heading into camp. And I think each of those guys is going to make the team now again, no, no one like dominated the practice of those two, but I think they each have looked good and it's kind of more of a cumulative thing here. Their stock is up. So I'm going to give each of them a half mm-hmm. a point in the standings here. I guess my Dallas got run is kind of cumulative as yeah. well. But yeah, I, I like those choices of Tui and Kayvon as well. Who's your, who's your LVP? Each. My LVP is Ty Zentner <laughs> because uh, he was <laughs> He's bad. still mine. <laughs> yeah. that's okay. I mean, you can double up on him if you want. It's pretty... No, I'll go another one. Okay. I'm going to be with Ian yeah. Book. Um, it was time. I've seen nothing. I, I've just seen nothing out of Ian Book. It, we, and we, we've never seen him. So like they, they claimed him off of waivers last year after final cutdowns. So we didn't get to see him in training camp last year. We're not allowed to watch practice during the regular season. So everything we've seen from Ian book, this training camp is new. And frankly, I'm surprised he's stuck on the roster all year last year. Cause I've seen, no- I've seen nothing out of him so far. Um, Tanner McKee is very clearly ahead of him for the number three QB job. And I kind of haven't seen a ton of Tanner McKee either. I'd like to see him take some shots down the field. We've barely seen I don't think we've seen him like you. I think you had said, I don't know if I've seen mm-hmm. him during practice last night. I don't, he's Brandon said, I don't think I've seen him throw a ball further 20 than plus. 20, 25 yards down the field. And uh, I tried to think of one and I, I couldn't, I mean, he's been good in, in a lot of ways. You know, I think he's made quick decisions. He throws a nice, throws a nice ball like on, on like slants and, and timing routes and stuff like that. But he's got an arm. Let it rip, man. Let's see it. So I don't think he's thrown a pick. If I'm not mistaken, that could be right. Yeah, but if he's he also has, super conservative. <laughs> so agree. Yeah, the, yeah, and also he hasn't gotten a lot of reps. But 
I but still compared to like again Clayton Thorson or Carson Strong who yeah, look yeah. pretty disastrous. And also he hasn't he hasn't had any throws that have been like super just like Ugh, that was terrible. That looked awful. Right, right, right. And Book has had some of those like where again I've said the arm strength is just not there. Like some mm. of these passes are just really weak. So I think it's we'll think probably get a we'll probably get a little bit of Mariota in the first preseason game, like a quarter, and yeah. then. And then we're going to get a ton of Tanner McKinney and Buck. <laughs> so, so, you know, lock yourself in for that one <laughs> for the preseason games. Uh, in fact, we're going to get to see a lot more of them in yes. probably the first preseason game than we've seen all throughout camp so far. So yep. uh, it'll be interesting to watch, to watch those guys battle it out for the number three job. But I've just seen nothing from Ian Buck so far. And and last night, just watching him get Again, he didn't get knocked over by the by the snap, but it looked like it. But it just it just it's a kind of like play where like if you're a teammate, you look at that and you just kind of go uh, uh. like the butt fumble by Sanchez, <laughs> right? It just looks so bad where you're just kind of like, uh, I don't know about this guy, and that's kind of what he left me with after that play. That's fair. My play of the day was the aforementioned Jalen Hurts pass over Reed Blankenship. I think that might be especially impressive in the context that there was a similar play in practice on Friday where Reed got his hand on the ball that time. Mm, yeah. And, and it was caught tipped. it anyway. AJ caught it anyway. <laughs> fortuitously. I think that was a similar ish kind of play to this one, except this time Hertz was able to actually get it over Reed. So I think that might be a sign of like, Oh, you know, improvement and working on it the next time. Mm-hmm. So I'll give that to uh, Jalen Hertz. Thought it was a nice throw. Yeah. Same side of the field on those too. Yep. Um, I'll go with the play that I mentioned before by Mariota. I just like that play where they was running side by side almost the, down the, the field. The fake uh, with, lateral. Uh, Boston Scott. Yeah. It wasn't even, it didn't even fake a lateral really. He actually faked a forward pass. <laughs> and whoever that, who I, we couldn't see numbers by the way. Like it was brutal trying to figure out who the defensive players were because they had the white jerseys and then they had like these neon yellow numbers. And you, it was really hard to make out who it was who. So I don't know who that defender was, but they fell for like the, the, the little flip, the fake flip by Mariota. And but I just I liked his awareness on that on that play, um, and you know I guess he did a lot of that under Chip Kelly at Oregon, um, where they like they had those plays that sort of extended to the sideline and you could still flip to like a receiver or keep it or whatever. So that's been in his arsenal for a long time. But it was kind of fun to see in person. I remember Mark Sanchez pump faking like seven yards down the field against the Cowboys when the <laughs> Eagles played them. I think and beat them in 2014. That's it's one of my favorite plays in sports is the quarterback way beyond the line of scrimmage pump faking it and the defender still falls for it. Cause the defender doesn't know where they are. Like John and, Elway and used, in the to, moment. used to do that all the time back oh, in like man. the eighties. I, yeah. I must've, I must have, or I would have really loved his film then because I, I love It's just so, it's just so funny to me. It's so funny because it never doesn't work. You can always pump fake basically <laughs> right. at any point in the field. And the defender just so instinctively has to be like, Oh, like here's a pass. <laughs> yeah, I, I really want to see quarterbacks get like more egregious with it too. Like they're like fifty, like or not fifty. That's far, <laughs> but like you know, like twenty yards beyond the line of scrimmage, still trying to throw it and just just to you know fake the defense out. I love that. Yeah, that that was a nifty play by Mariota. And again, he does he like it's easy to look good as a runner, typically as a quarterback in practice because the the, the defense can't touch you at all. But you can clearly see, and this is also different from Hertz. Hertz. And Mariota are different, and I think I think Mariota's faster long term. Is that do you think? I that's think that's fair? right. I, yeah. I I think you're right on that. I think Mariota is actually could beat him in a foot race. 
like they're different runners, obviously. And I think Hertz is more durable or more like, you know, has more of like a sturdier build than the two. Um, and might is I think Hertz could break through contact better than Mariota for sure. Could. Yeah. But Mariota, like you give him some open field and he can take off. And, and I think he hits another gear than Hertz does. So I, I will give Marcus Mariota that. Not trying to crush him. He didn't get our LVP section today, even though he, he really could have. But uh, uh, it's it's just been it's been tough yeah, as there a thrower. Was up and down. I mean, he, he made plays in addition to the ugly ones. Good as a runner. I mean, it's basically the only thing he can do. Uh, <laughs> so that's your play of the day. Or give my play of the day. Any final thoughts by you, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, I'll mention the kitten again, who's starting wow. to get a little older here. And uh, RJ. Anyway. Yeah, uh, RJ, Ron Jr., uh, we brought him in from the outside. I would say the cold, but it's not cold at all. From the heat, brought him in from the heat, and uh, he has assimilated into our little family here. Um, but he's got to go. <laughs> like we can't, we're not keeping him long term. Uh, so if you want a little kitten, very super cute, uh, we're eventually going to turn him over to a shelter. But if you want to reach out to me, Jimmy at phillyvoice.com, email me there. And uh, we'll get you at the top of the list for when, because the shelter will do like background checks that we kind of can't do. Um, so, yeah, if you want a little kitten from me to you, let me know. My final thought is that you should do that, definitely, because RJ, you have not, Jimmy, you have to tweet a picture. Tweet a picture. I will. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. And or thread. Well, a pic- I will. Both. I will when it comes a little closer time to like when it's when it's definitely time for him to be adopted okay well we need to see a picture at some point forever home my mom was asking my mom was asking about what she looks like yeah i think the people (laughs) i'll send it to you yeah you can send it to me i think the people want to see rj as well um my final thought two little food notes i am a big believer that all food has a spot at the table i don't need to be elitist about fast food i think some people are that way sometimes and that kind of bums me out because i think it can be fun sometimes Obviously, you know, you want to make sure that you're not eating that all the time. But, you know, I think you can treat yourself sometimes. And recently, I had a Wawa pizza, Jimmy. And I feel confidently that the Wawa pizza is better than most people would expect. Now, really, that's that's the assumption that expectation is low because you're getting a pizza from Wawa. Sure. But I thought it was decent. Is it like the most amazing pizza I've ever had? No, not even close. But if you're at Wawa and you're getting some other stuff anyway and you wanted to throw toss a pizza onto your order, I don't think it would be a bad decision by you. I think most people would enjoy it. And I've definitely had worse pizza. So that's number one. I really I it was surprisingly decent to me. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. And then number two, Taco Bell has this new spe- neither of these are sponsors, by the way. I'm just free advertising. But Taco Bell has, first of all, the volcano taco back, which was my favorite before they took it off the menu. Has like a bit of a spicier sauce in the red shell. Um, but that's not what I wanted to get to. They're doing like a dipping taco now, and it comes with uh like a side of nacho cheese sauce, and also this like I think it's supposed to be imitating a birria taco. Are you familiar with those, Jimmy? It's like those no. tacos like you dip anyway. They they come with like a sauce. I guess like the meat is kind of uh, cooked like it's a the sauce made of what they cook the meat in. So it's like this, you know, juicy, flavorful sauce, savory sauce. And that was actually really good. So I was I was kind of surprised by that as well. Not that I thought it was going to suck, but it's just like I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. So if you're in the fast food game and you like those at all, then I would recommend both of those. And the thing with the dipping taco is there's plenty of sauce. Like there's more than enough sauce for your single taco. 
So if you want to get a couple other items from Taco Bell as well, you could also have those sauces. You could have those sauces left over for those items as well. That's my little fast food pro tip or two of the week. Uh, this has been BGN Radio, episode 335. The Eagles have off today, Monday, as we're recording this, or they have a walkthrough, but we are not attending that. It's closed to media. They will be back at practice 10 a.m. on Tuesday, also practicing Wednesday and Thursday. Oh, my God. Three days in a row? Yeah, three days in a row. The first time off camp. Used to be like a normal (laughs) thing in the past, and now it's like, oh, my gosh, three days in a row. I was getting used to like kind of slacking off here. Yeah, right? Three (laughs) days in a row, and then they will be off on Friday before the first preseason game is on Saturday against the Baltimore Ravens. Are you going to that? I am not going to that. No. So that's in Maryland, for those who do not know. So we're, we're already coming up on Eagles football here in less than a week. So how about that? Uh, check out bleedingyournation.com for my practice notes and Eagles coverage, phillyvoice.com for Jimmy's work. You can also follow us on Twitter and threads at Brandon Gowton and at Jimmy Kempsky, respectively. You know, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate you supporting the podcast. And also check out our sponsors. That is Wrong Crowd Beer Company, wrongcrowdbeer.com. That is Righteous Felon. Craft Jerky at RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN20 for 20% off your order. Same discount code works at WildRangerPet.com for 20% off dog treats. Then if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you're going to want to contact Kristen Roach from Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. Voted by God as the number one realtor (laughs) in the universe. And you can contact her by texting or calling this number. 856-906-9295. We will be back with you on Tuesday. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.